Liverpool 3 0. Call it, take it quickly, Origi! Hello and welcome to the Anfield Central podcast. We're now just a few days away from the start of the Premier League season, so we thought it would be time to do our own Premier League preview. James and Max join me as always. Guys, how are we doing today? Not too bad. The the end of the no Premier League is nearly upon us. Just two more days to go. So yeah, can't wait. Yeah, the uh, the Premier League is nearly here. I'm happy. Everyone's happy. And the transfer window is going to end soon as well. Just all of it is brilliant. I can't wait. Yeah, there's been a bit of a gap between the international tournament and the domestic season, obviously restarting again. But I think everyone's fully in the mood now to get right back into the Premier League. So today's show is going to be a little bit different to what we normally do. We're going to be having a real in-depth look and not just Liverpool, but all the other Premier League teams and what we think their seasons are going to look like. But before we get on to kind of the more general stuff regarding the title race, how the promoter teams are going to get on, and of course our own predictions towards the end of the show, we will start with what we think Liverpool season will look like. Um, and we'll start with this weekend, if if we may. Liverpool will start the campaign away at Norwich at Carrow Road, who obviously have just been promoted to the Premier League. How do we view this one, guys? Um, do we see it as an easy, you know, not an easy game to start with, but, but a nice one to start with against one of the promoted teams? Or could it be, a, you know, a potential banana skin going away from home in the first game to a team that we know are good on the ball and will have fans behind them um, for the first time in quite a while. I think you've just nailed uh, nailed it there, Luke. I think especially with the fans being back in the stadium, I think this one has got a potential banana skin on it. Um, I think Norwich are coming up this year um, with a bit to prove they saw Buendia on the way up and all when they came up two years ago. They managed to keep that the team together, the spine of the team and the Fleur players in that team. Um, but selling one of them um, could add a different dimension to them. But yeah, I think it does have it does have a potential banana skin on it, but I think we should get it through, go through it comfortably. Um, we saw when we played Norwich on the opening day of the season two years ago where we were 4-0 down and we're still trying to play it out from the back. So I don't expect Norwich to do anything other than to, to play how they usually play and uh, just hoping for a comfortable three points on, on the opening weekend. Yeah, I always get nervous whenever um, whenever Liverpool are playing against a newly promoted team, um, especially if it's away from home. It's just got upset written all over it. Um, yeah, Norris Sterling Buendia, he's a big, um, a big, big loss for them. He's a really good player. I like him a lot. Um, but they brought in uh, Milo Rashica. Um, apologies for the butchered pronunciation, anyone. And Josh Sargent as well recently. Um, so yeah, they seem to be making some quite smart moves. Um, as James said, we know what Norwich are going to do on the ball. They're going to keep it. They're going to be tidy. Um, they've still got some decent players there. Um, Max Ahrens is a player that I really rate at, um, at right back. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see, um, how Norwich set up. And, um, yeah, I think going down to, uh, Carrow Road with fans behind them is going to be a big moment for uh, those players in uh, green and yellow. So hopefully we can, I think getting an early goal quiet down the crowd is going to be really important. So yeah, I think all guns blazing and um, try and get the game wrapped up in the first half hour. It's a funny little quirk that this is obviously like James said, we played Norwich two years ago at Anfield when they, when they were promoted. This is the third year in a row that Liverpool have played the champions of the championship in the first 
fixture, um, which, is, which is quite a nice little statistic. We'll go into a little bit more depth on Norwich and the other promoted teams a bit later on. But just before we do that, do you think it's a good sign that Norwich, like James said, they've kind of kept a lot of those players who were in the Premier League Bob Wendia the, the first time around, they're still kind of there. Your Max Irons, your Todd Cantwell's, obviously Timo Puki, Tim Krullingold, massively experienced. And of course, the manager, Daniel Farker. Now, these guys have all had a year in the Premier League, got relegated and came back up. Do you think that'll stand them in good stead for the season to try and survive this time around? Yeah, I think it's huge. I mean, look at the, the three teams that got relegated from last season. Scott Parker's left Fulham to go to Bournemouth. Fulham have got um, a new manager and... It just goes to show that you know Norwich is a team that shows shows patience with the manager, even if they do get relegated, they're willing to stick by them. Um, and I think that that is stands them in a good stead. I think they're going to come into the season this year knowing what they did wrong, what they've got to do right, um, and to have that um, knowledge and experience as a unit, and to obviously to have the same same voice on the training pitch. Um, I, th- I think that that'll do them do them good this year. Yeah, I think having that experience um, from the players who did come up and went straight back down last time will be vital for Norwich going ahead. Um, I really like Daniel Farker. Um, I think, yeah, he had a rough time when he came up for the first time, but I think him keeping the core of that squad together, minus Buendia, um, a bit more experienced, a little bit more streetwise maybe, um, I think will be really, really big for them. And again, um, I really like their transfer dealings. I think getting Bill, uh, yeah, excuse me. I think getting Billy Gilmore into their midfield will be massive. I think if they can keep him fit and around, he's a top, top class operator when he's it happens. So yeah, um, actually, yeah, looking at it, I think Norwich have done fairly well and, I think they might still go back down, but I don't think it's going to be a foregone conclusion by any means. Yeah, and they've got a great recruitment strategy at Norwich as well. I think, look at some of the signings they've made in recent years, some really shrewd deals have been made, and obviously they've brought some young players through the academy as well. So it'll be interesting to see what they can do this season. Let's have a look at Liverpool then. Um, Obviously, last season, for reasons we all know about the injuries, wasn't how we wanted it to go, but still finished third in the top four places, although it kind of went down right to the wire. We've obviously, without going too much into transfers, the squad is largely the same now as it was last season, other than the addition of Canate and a couple of um, outgoings. If our squad remains as it is today for the whole season or when the transfer window shuts uh, in a couple of weeks' time, do you think Liverpool have what it takes with this current squad to compete for the title? Not current squad. Starting eleven, I'd say, yeah. I think, you know, on the basis of Liverpool starting eleven, I think apart from Manchester City and obviously now PSG, um, I think you're struggling to look for a better starting eleven in football. Um, it's just world-class players all over the pitch. But then when you delve into the squad, it's just nowhere near what it should be. Um and that's where I sort of think the starting eleven could win a title, but I don't think the squad's anywhere near it. If again we're going to be relying on the likes of Shakiri if he stays, Origi, you know, especially when the African Cup of Nations comes around, you know, January is going to be a horrible month to be a Liverpool fan. Um, but yeah, in terms of the squad, no. But starting eleven, I think we've got a really good chance. Yeah, I mean. I think that what happened last season sort of made people forget that basically the same squad minus Kanate and Jota um, 
and Thiago won the Premier League at an absolute canter. Um, and people were talking about the squad depth then as well. Um, and, you know, they got a bit lucky with injuries that year, but we got absolutely decimated last year. Um, and touch wood, um, uh, that shouldn't happen again this year, at least not to the same extent. I think Canate looks like an absolutely fantastic addition. Um, getting another player of his size, his, his speed, his technical ability as well. He carries the ball so well and his passing looks really good. Um, I think bringing Harvey Elliott into the team uh, brings another little... I mean, he's not hes not going to be starting Premier League games, but, I mean, anyone who's watched him in the preseason games, he looks absolutely fantastic. And the one thing I will say, I can't believe how positive I'm being. Um, the one thing I will say is Alex Otso-Janglin, I have not seen him look this good in preseason for a long, long time. He's, yeah. He looks like he's finally got his body working as it should. Um and if he can get some of the old dynamism back, I know that <laughs> I know that like a new signing thing um, is very very annoying. But if he can get some of that dynamism back and provide us with a bit of a, a threat from range, I think he could be quite an important player this season. I really want to see another forward come in. Midfielders losing one out of is big, obviously, but I've got more of an issue with the lack of quality. Um, backups in the forward positions that I do in, in midfield because like if need be we can switch to a four-two-three-one, and you only need two available starting midfielders rather than um, yeah. uh, rather than three and also that puts less defensive pressure on a lone pivot if you need to so um, yeah I think a new forward is a must a new midfielder would be great and a backup right back would be a bonus is basically the way I look at it. But I think this squad's t- capable of challenging for a title. Whether a win, I, to be honest, I doubt. I think City are just better. But, um, yeah, I think they can absolutely challenge. It'll be interesting to see what happens in the last few weeks of the transfer window. Obviously, I think all Liverpool fans are hoping for one or two new faces, but we'll have to wait and see on that. So let's look at the real contenders for the title race. Obviously, Man City won it fairly comfortably last year, despite a slowish start. Do we see anyone, James, really getting close to Man City this year? They've already signed, obviously, Jack Grealish um, for £100 million and they're, you know, pushing hard for Harry Kane as well. So it's going to be difficult if um, for anyone else really to get a look in. Yeah, it is. Like you said, especially if they do get Harry Kane. Um, without putting my rose-tinted glasses on, I think the closest to get to them is Chelsea. Um just purely on the basis of what Tuchel did when he first came in. Obviously, only had half a season, managed to get into a Champions League final. He beat City, was it three or four times in a row in all competitions? Um, so he knows how to beat them. It could come down to head-to-heads, as it did when City beat us to the title two seasons ago. It came down to the game of the Etihad where they won 2-1. Um, so I could see something like that happening again this season. Uh, I think it's going to be very hard for the likes of even City to get over to 90 points, close to 100 points. I think that's going to be difficult this season, especially how we've seen teams in the middle of the table strengthen. The teams have spent money this season, apart from Liverpool, but other teams have gone out and strengthened in the areas that they need to. Um, so, yeah, I think Chelsea's going to be the closest. Like I said, if we could keep everyone fit in our starting eleven, there's no reason why we shouldn't be you know, going late into a title race into the latter stages of the of the season. 
Um, and I, I just see United just, just finishing top four. Um, that's purely on the basis. It's not because I'm biased. It's just on the basis of, I don't rate Ole Gunnar Solskjaer as a manager and I don't think he's got got what it takes to to fight in on all fronts because they'll have to the fans will be demanding or expecting to go deep into every competition and the Premier League and I just don't think he has the tactical nails to get them that far in in every competition. Yeah, um, if City get Kane, it's over as far as I'm concerned. Um, that squad plus a guaranteed what twenty twenty five goals a season striker. Um, especially one who's as good at dropping deep and linking play as Kane is. Um, and the way Sissy play negates him, re- negates his only real weakness, um, which is a lack of top-line speed. Um, yeah, if they, if they get Kane, it's over. As far as I'm concerned, no one's going to get near them. Um, without it, honestly, I, th- I think Chelsea and Liverpool... If Liverpool can keep their starting eleven fit, I think the level is pretty close, um, even with Romelu Lukaku. Um, N'Golo Kante is getting injured quite a lot. Um, and without Kante, even with Lukaku coming in, that team is completely different. Uh, their defence, especially if they don't get Kunde over the line, which has been rumbling on for a few weeks, but it seems like a lot. Their defence can be got can be gotten that, I think. Um, they, they're organised really well, but there are defenders in there who are very, very capable of producing an, a, um, an unforced error. So, yeah, I, there's weaknesses in both squads. Um, but, yeah, I, I think that City are the absolute favourites, Chelsea and Liverpool. Man United interest me because I look at their team and there are some really, really good individual players in there. I'm so annoyed they got Jaden Sancho. Not even ahead of us. We were never spending 73 million quid on one forward, but he's just an unbelievable player. Um, Rafael Varane, I'm going to be very interested to see how he does. He's he's not shown the level. He's still a like, very, very good player, but he's not shown the level that he did three, two years ago. Recently, so it'll be interesting to see how he settles at Old Trafford. But yeah, I mean, those four are miles ahead of anyone else. I, I don't see any challenge coming from Arsenal or anyone. Leicester have recruited well, but again, I just don't think the quality of their squad is up to match those four. And, and with Chelsea, obviously, we know they've got Lukaku in, and that's a ma- you know a massive. Simon earlier in the window he was saying that he was quite happy at quite happy at Inter Milan but I think probably a combination of their financial issues and the law of kind of you going back to Stamford Bridge a team that he's always had this thing hanging over in where he's not really been able to do it at a big Premier League club and being able to go back there and prove that the doubt is wrong Obviously, it's persuaded him to, to sign as well as, you know, Conte leaving into Hakimi, leaving into and they look like in real in real bad shape financially. Does Lukaku, that, you know, that, that one signing transfer, transform Chelsea essentially from a team that you'd expect to get Champions League football and finish in the top four to a team that could really challenge Man City for the title? Or is it still not enough? No, I think it's enough. I think the one thing that Chelsea missed last year was that 20 goal a season striker. And I think if you look at Lukaku's record last season, he had 24 goals in Serie A, 30 goals in all competitions. For a team under Conte that still played, you know, a, a quite a defensive uh, back line. You know, Hakimi was often used as a right wing back. 
Um, and it was just sort of Lukaku and Martinez up top on their own to, you know, to be the creative players in the team. Um, then you're going to put him in a team with Kai Havertz, who I think is going to be an outside shot for player of the season. I think he's going to be really good this year. Then you've got Mason Mount as well. So he's going to have more creative players behind him. And those games that Chelsea were drawing 0-0, 1-1 last season, a player like Lukaku turns that into 2-1, 3-1. Um, I just think it completely transformed the team. Um, and we know what he's like in the Premier League, even at Manchester United, where you know the fans weren't overly keen on him because of his work rate or, or his first touch, they said, was non-existent. He still scored double-digit goals in, in every every season he was there. We saw what he was like at Everton. And even West Brom, <laughs> you know, he's, he was unbelievable at West Brom at the age of what, 19, 20. Um, so, yeah, like we're saying, where if City signed Kane, it's over. I think if Chelsea signed Lukaku and City don't sign Kane, I'd sort of put Chelsea as as my favourite to win it. If they get the signings that um, each team does or doesn't get the signings. Yeah, um, <laughs> I... I've said for ages, Romelu Lukaku has become an absolute monster at Inter Milan. He's still got all the physical traits that, you know, we marked him out for, but he's just, he leads the line so well. He's so intelligent with his movement. I mean, like, uh, his, I think his technique has improved as well. Um, He's just so hard to handle for defences. And also, Chelsea were desperately missing a finisher last season. I mean, like, According to um, FB Ref, um, they scored 58 goals last season um, with an XG of 64. That is um, XG is expected goals for anyone who doesn't know. Um, that's a huge drop um, off that. And Romelu Lukaku fixes that by himself, as far as I'm concerned. And also, what he'll do is if Thomas Tuchel sticks with a 3 4 3, 3 4 2 1 that he. Um, likes to play, I think we could see Timo Werner and Kai Havertz. Um, Werner in particular, I think, would really profit off that. If he's in that left pocket um, on the side of Lukaku, then I think that he'll be able to run from deeper and play much closer to the type of game that he loved to at RB Leipzig. So I think Lukaku coming in, we'll see more come out of uh, Timo Werner. And also, um, with Kai Havertz there, they can swap positions, um, Lukaku and Havertz, because we've seen when he's coming off the right um, and coming into that um, half space between the um, uh, before, between the left centre-back and the left-back, he can be absolutely deadly. So expect to see a lot of rotation there. I think um, his presence makes Chelsea title challenges. I wouldn't quite say as good as Manchester City. As I said before, I think Chelsea do still have weaknesses in that squad. And also, Thomas Tuchel does have a bit of a record of falling out with people, um, and that might affect their season somewhat. If if that does eventuate, I'm just going off his previous record. And let's be honest, Chelsea don't exactly have a reputation for having a really harmonious management team um, yeah. above their uh, above their manager. So yeah, we'll have to see what happens. But Lukaku is an ominous signing for Chelsea ahead of the new season. Yeah, well, when you consider that, I think their top scorer last season was Jorginho, and he's obviously the penalty taker. It shows that they were lacking those goals. Um, and Lukaku is in, despite he's not been in the Premier League for two years, and 
he's still, I think he's 27, 28, and he's in the top 20 Premier League scorers of all time. So I think it just tells you how potent he is in front of goal. Before we move on to looking at some other, other teams, we spoke a little bit about Man United there, and they've got a couple of new signings in Jaden Sancho and Rafa Varane. Do you think that, like James has alluded to, what could be their downfall is the, is, is the management situation. When you look at Man City, have got Guardiola, Liverpool have got Jurgen Klopp, Chelsea have got Thomas Tuchel. These are all elite European managers who have won league titles and, and, and European Cups. Whereas, whereas I don't think Solskjaer's done terribly. And I think where when he first came in, it looked like he was, wasn't going to last very long at all. He's obviously had a, a fairly good season last year, getting them finished second and and he's established himself more as a, as a Manchester United manager. But is that, like you say, James, the only thing that separates them from the rest of the other three teams I mentioned there? Yeah, I think it is. And I, I think the other reason um, is the, they just have no holding midfielder. I think that's what, that's what really hurts the team. I think, you know, if you asked Oli, he'd love to have Pogba and Bruno win the same team, um, but he can't because he doesn't feel like his defence is protected enough. So he has to play two players who are basically the exact same player in Scott McTominay and Fred, who in in 10 years ago, they, they would have never have got anywhere near a Manchester United team. They wouldn't have got anywhere near a top four team. Um, so unless they can get a hold of midfielder, someone who's going to break the lines, someone who's going to take the pressure off that back four, because they're going to play a high line, Manchester United, especially at home. Um and even with the the introduction of Varane, it's going to take time for that back four. Obviously, the relationship between Maguire and Varane to settle. Obviously, I don't think Varane speaks a word of English. Um, so, obviously, they're going to have to ca- get up to speed with each other. He's going to come in late to the season because um, there's been issues with his visa. I don't think he's trained with the team yet. Um, but, yeah, I think I think it mainly all, all comes down to Oli. I think he'll go on a run of six wins and then he gets asked if United are title challenges and then they'll go on a run of about four, you know, no win in four or no win in five. And then when his job's on the line again, they'll go on a massive winning streak. Um, I was nervous at a point last season where they were top of the table by about four points. And I did think, oh, they're going to kick on here. And they just never did. And I think if they had, you know, a world-class manager, like, you know, the ones you've just named there, Luke, um, I think... You know, they could have took it a lot closer instead of finishing 12 points off Manchester City. But yeah, I think it just all comes down to Ollie. I Ollie's difficult because Manchester United, before Ollie, had two of the most storied managers of the last 30 odd years, Louis van Gaal and Jose Mourinho. I mean, like if that if that equivalent came in. You know, like ten, like ten years ago, Louis Van Gaal getting hired by Manchester United after Alex Ferguson left, let's say, would be would have been seen as a yeah, fair enough, bring him in. And having a big name manager doesn't always work at Manchester United, as we've seen. Um, I think, I think Solskjaer has undoubtedly done the best job of any Manchester United manager post Sir Alex Ferguson. Do I think that he's of the level of Jurgen Klopp, Thomas Cook, Thomas Tuchel? And Pep Guardiola? No, no, I don't. But I, I don't think that he is the issue. Um, I think the issue is their midfield. Um, as uh, James said, Scott McTominay and Fred is not a double pivot that's going to win you a title. It just isn't. 
Um, they are not good enough on the ball. Um, McTominay gives you a physical presence. He's decent box to box. Fred, again, physical presence, box to box, retains the ball fairly well. But it's just, it's not, he's not of the level of a Thiago, Henderson, Fabinho, or a Rodri and De Bruyne and Grealish or a, you know, um, Kante, Mount kind of great. It's just not of that level. And also, I know he improves somewhat, but Aaron Wan-Bissaka is a right back. Just I don't like him. Um, I don't think he provides enough quality for, with width, especially if um, you've got Jaden Sancho. What he loves, as we saw at Dortmund, is him cutting inside and having a wing back overlap him. With Sancho mm-hmm. and Hakimi, that worked beautifully. And I don't think Wan-Bissaka's got the same tools that Hakimi does to provide that sort of threat that Sancho would love to profit off. I, I think that Manchester United could very well be in the conversation, but I don't think they will be there towards the business end of the season. We will see. It's one thing for sure. We just I think we all hope it's going to be more competitive than than last season because Man City obviously look really dominant. They won the league fairly comfortably last year, albeit even though James says they're 12 points, it is a it is a fair margin, but Almost, almost thought it was it was more really, but we'd like a, a big title race, I think. Um, so we'll see what happens there. So let's move on to the other end of the table now, the promoted teams who you probably all expect to be just kind of wanting to consolidate a survival place. We'll start with Brentford because they're obviously new to the division. Um, I think it's the first time in over seventy years that they've played in the top flight and never played in in the Premier League as it as it's been known. Um, do we think they could possibly be one of the most exciting promoted teams we've seen for a while? Yeah, I definitely think so. I think it, them alongside Leeds when they came up um, under Bielsa, um, everyone was excited to see how they were going to play. And I think Brentford have been, you know, they've always been the bridesmaid, but never the bride. After, you know, they've always got into the playoffs. They've always, beginning of the season for the last three, four years, you know, pundits have always said, Brentford are the tip to go up. You know, they, they should either go up for the playoffs or they're going to finish in the top two. And it just hasn't gone right for them. And then last season, obviously, they managed to get through in the playoffs. Um, you know, difficult first uh, first rounds in the playoffs. And then obviously, the the final was over within the first twenty five minutes. Um, but I think when you've got a player like you know Tone up front and you know someone who's consistently scoring goals, you know, in League One with Peterborough, then so people question, could he do the step up into the championship and finish as the top goal scorer? Um, I think that, you know, building a team around him is going to be exciting. And the way they play football, they seem to play it in the right way. Um, you know, getting plays from you know, teams in Scandinavia, um, you know, not the usual routes in the championship, but, you know, the manager seems to make it work. And yeah, I think um, they, again, like Norwich, they like to play football the right way and it's just going to be interesting to see how they do. Yeah, um, well, Brentford are my uh, local team. They're the one I was born closest to, so they I always have a, bit of, a wee bit of a soft spot for them. Um, I think they've done really well. Their recruitment system is really, really interesting, all based off data. Uh, Thomas Frank has done a really good job as their manager. Everyone will focus on Ivan Tony, which and having a reliable goal scorer coming up into the Premier League is such a big thing. And I, I don't yeah. think Tony is going to be phased by the Premier League at all. I, I can see him 
uh, getting the goals that they need. But they've got other players outside of that. Brian Mbwemo, he's a very good, very speedy attacker. Um, I really, really like him. Um, did so well in the playoff final. He was fantastic for them. I think getting Christopher Ayer from uh, Celtic into their back line, uh, along with Pontus Janssen, that means they've got some players who've been sort of at the top um, levels of their game and have got some experience going into the Premier League. Yeah, I think whether there'll be a sort of Wolves or a Leeds, like, you know, who are going to blast through the league, I don't think so. But I think they could very easily be a Bournemouth, you know, someone who comes up, um, have a couple of interesting players, um, play good football, good expansive football, and finish, you know, in that sort of 12th to 15th sort of sweet spot that you want to be in if you're a promoted side, um, unless you're like Wolves and have for some reason got Ruben Neves in the championship. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I, I think Brentford have done really well. They've got their brand new stadium, which I really um, am looking forward to seeing play in the Premier League. And yeah, I, I, I really um, hope that they do well because it's been such a hard run for them to get into the Premier League at last that if they went back down straight away after so much hard work, that would just be so rough on every Brentford fan out there. Yeah, and like you said, like you both said there, having a goal scorer is such a massive thing. Like, famously, the teams that don't have someone reliable scoring the goals every week of the teams that go down. You just look at last season, you know, Sheffield United, they've got three or four strikers, but none of them could really cut it at this level. Similarly with, with Fulham Mitrovic, who was so prolific in the Premier League, I mean, Championship, sorry, couldn't quite do it in the, in the Premier League last year. So I think Tony can will make the step up, um, like Max says there, and they should be really interesting to watch this year. How about... The other two then, we've got Norwich, who we've talked about a little bit already, and, and Watford. They're both experienced at this level. Um, when, when Watford did get relegated a couple of years ago, they'd had four or five consecutive seasons in the Premier League at that point, and Norwich have obviously bounced straight back up. Do we think they'll have enough to stay up this time around, given the experience they've had? Yeah, I think out of the three, I think they should be the most confident in staying up. Um like you said, you know, the experience of Norwich and they've added, you know, the likes of Danny Rose at left back, who I know missed the majority of, of last season um, over the dispute with Tottenham. Um, but I still think he brings a lot to the table in terms of experience. Um, and I think keeping a player like Ishmael Sarr is, you know, th- this is a guy who, when they got relegated, was talked about being signed by Manchester United and Liverpool. And you know, they've gone and slapped a £50 million price tag on him. Um, which just shows you how good he is. Uh, you know, and the back line seems pretty solid, like I said, with Danny Rose added in there as well. And even the goalkeepers, um, I know I'm going to pronounce it wrong, but uh, it's a Boncherman who was the, the starting goalkeeper for them last season. He was at, you know, he had a good Euros with Austria. Um, but even then, you know, Ben Foster is a backup keeper coming up from the championship. He's got Premier League experience, it isn't a bad option. Um, but yeah, I think if anyone's going to have the most confidence in staying up the season, I think it should probably be Watford. I, I, I have issues with Watford because I think they're going to have the issue that Brentford, I think, will not have is that I don't think they've got a reliable goal scorer because Troy Deeney for ages was the one they could rely on to, you know, get the goals that they required to 
move on. But I, I don't think that him at, at his age is going to be that player anymore. And Joao Pedro is quite promising, but he's not a particularly prolific kind of player. Um, Ismail Assar is a really, really good player. Um, you know, Liverpool were linked with him for good reason um, for what thirty million quid um, when what yeah. went down, and he has got such electrifying pace that any any um, defender who's going up against a one on one, he's going to be so scared to let him put the ball past them. But I just don't think they've got enough going forward at the moment. If they manage to bring in a striker um, that's going to guarantee them 10, 15 goals um, next season, fifteen is maybe a bit ambitious, but certainly north of ten then uh, I think they'll be fine. But I just I, you know, I question if they've got the goals in that team to stay up. It'll be interesting to see um, what kind of business they can do between now and the end of the window as well. Because like you say, if they can, if they can bring in a, a forward of quality, that, that might be the difference. Let's have a look at some kind of dark horses or, or teams that we expect to do well this season. Um, before we choose you know, our own kind of pick for, for Dark Horse this year. Let's talk about a couple that have been tipped quite widely to have a good season. I'm not sure we can really call Leicester City a surprise anymore after, you know, winning the FA Cup and then beating Man City on the weekend in the Community Shield. And they've had a couple of near misses with the Champions League in the last two years or so. Do we think this year they could finally get into that fourth spot or are they going to fall short um, again like they have done in the last couple of years? I think they're going to fall short again, uh, just mainly because of the Fafana injury. I think the impact he made on that defence yeah. last season, um, I think when we all did our end of season 11s, we all had Fafana in there, which just goes to show how good he played last season. I mean, to have him miss, he's going to miss the whole season, isn't he now? Yeah. I think I think that's really hard for them. Um, we still don't know what's going to happen with James Madison. Is he going to stay? Is he going to go? Will his head still be in it? You know, if he doesn't... Um, but I think what they have done is they have improved, you know, their attacking options. I mean, Ian Acho, you know, we've always been told, especially from his, you know, the youth at Manchester City, that he was a player where you could score goals. And up until the back end of last season, we never really saw that. But I think the introduction of Dakar from Red Bull Salzburg has probably just elevated the forward line. I mean, he's that quick. He could probably play, you know, out wide and play Vardy through the middle, or he could probably play in the two with Vardy. I think he really is that good. And, Keeping Tillemans has been huge for them. Um, but I think they're just going to fall short just because Johnny Evans can never really seem to stay fit. I think Sonocho always looks like he has an error in him and he didn't really play that well at the Euros. And then I think Fafana just getting injured. Uh, I think that just sort of cements. They'll probably finish in a, in a Europa League place. Yeah, I agree, James. Um Leicester have got some really good players, but losing Fafana is massive for them. Um as I, I can't really add on to what he said about the centre-halves. I don't trust Soyuncu long-term. He reminds me a wee bit of Martin Skirtle. Can go on... I mean, he's, be, he's better than Martin Skirtle, but in the same vein that he's very athletic, can go on runs of form, really solid and, and combative, but has also got the capacity to do something just unbelievably stupid and can go on weeks of really not playing very well at all. Um, Ricardo Pereira, if he can stay fit for a lot of the season, uh, will be a big boost for Leicester. I think they've recruited really well. Bukaro Samare um, looks like a good signing from there. He was fantastic when he came on in the uh, 
uh, in the Community Shield. Um, there was one little bit of play. I think he held off something like five or six challenges from Manchester City players in midfield. He will be one to watch this season. If, if he is anywhere near as good as we saw in that little patch there, um, he's, he's going to be a real player. Patson Daka, um, as any regular listeners to the podcast, was... One of the players that I would have liked to see Liverpool sign, and I think he will be a long-term replacement for Jamie Vardy. He has more than got the pace to um, to match up with a young Jamie Vardy on that front. And I think with Ian Nacho playing slightly off him, I think they're going to look really good. And if Harvey Barnes can stay fit, losing out on Harvey Barnes towards the end of the season was a big loss for Leicester. He's a really solid wide player. And I don't think they'll make top four, but I think it will be another close run thing. Yeah, and you just really enough the names there, guys. It seems like they, their squad depth this season does seem, you know, better last year. We saw they, they suffered quite badly with injuries last year, like Liverpool did. Um, a lot of players had a lot of long-term injuries. I think Sionchi was out for a while, Ricardo Pereira um, and, and others. But those players, you, Max, just list there. They've also added like Ryan Bertrand, a bit of experience and... Obviously, you've got Kasper Schmeichel in goal, who's probably one of, one of the better better keepers in the league. But it is probably that centre-half position where they'll fall short with that Fafana injury. They've been linked today with, with Yannick Vestergaard from Southampton to, to come in. You would say he's he's not on the same level as Fafana. They've also been tent- linked with Ozan Kabak, um, which would be interesting to see if, if, if he came back to the Premier League. Um, another team that I've written down as who could be possibly a surprise is Aston Villa. Obviously, they've lost Jack Grealish, which would be a big blow to them. But their recruitment this summer has been pretty flawless, in my opinion. When you look at Danny Ings, Leon Bailey, and one or two others, what do we think? Do you think they could be pushing for a European spot? I think it's been unbelievable recruitment from Aston Villa this season. I think, as well as Ollie Watkins did last season, I think you always run the risk of if he gets injured, who else comes in? So you bring Danny Ings in, who even at Southampton, consistently scored goals. I mean, we didn't get to see the best of him at Liverpool, unfortunately, with those two ACL injuries he had. Um, But you see the way he's kicked on. I mean, there was rumours that he was going to go to Manchester City if they couldn't get Harry Kane over the line earlier this season. He was rumoured with uh, Chelsea earlier this month. So he is a player who consistently scores goals, no matter, you know, who he's playing for uh, or what's around him. I think Leon Bailey is... Fantastic signing for the amount of money they've got him for. Um, an out-and-out winger, someone who's quick, someone who can dribble. And, and I think that's a quality that is underrated in the Premier League. Just really quick wingers who can take a man on. Um, and I think in those games where Villa are going to be under the cost, especially in the big games, if you've got somebody with the pace of Leon Bailey who can cut the ball back to someone who's as clinical as Danny Ings, then... I think you're on to a winner and you know, from what we're reading as well, they're all also looking at James Ward-Prowse so to add someone who can score five to seven free kicks a season and someone who's got yeah. you know the right foot that he's got just makes all the difference. And, um, you know, I think we expect them to be the same at the back line. But if you've got a midfield potentially of Ward-Prowse, Josh McGinn um, and... Um, Douglas Louise, I think they've got a really good midfield three there and then you can just let the others go forward um, but yeah I think the summer recruitment has been very good I think you're forgetting Buendia as well he's like yeah. you know, he, he, he's a really crazy player and I think he'll do a really good job for them um, 
I think we're going to end up seeing like a sort of 4-4-2, like maybe Bailey off the left, um, Buendia off the right, and then Ings and Watkins up front would be very nice um, with probably a double pit. I can't see Southampton letting Ward-Prowse go as well. If they let Vestergaard, Ward-Prowse and Ings all go in one window, they're going to get relegated. That is just a fact as far as I'm concerned. Um, yeah, I... Getting War Prowse in would be huge. Um, I think the the thing with Bailey, which I think is such an underrated thing in the Premier League, is having a player in your squad who is a game breaker, someone who can just do something stupid to bail you out. When I say sorry, when I say stupid, um, can do something ridiculous, like so be a maverick, basically, like take that shot from 30 yards, it's gonna win you a game one yeah. nil. Yeah, like, you know, it's a low percentage thing, but having someone who can do those low percentage things, and we've seen Leon Bailey do them in the Bundesliga. He he has got a fantastic shot from range, and having someone who's capable of doing that can often be the difference between getting into Europe and not. Um, I think they've recruited really well. I think they're still, yeah, I think they lack a bit of depth. I don't think they're going to be a top four challenger. But I think for the European places, let's put it this way, if I was an Arsenal fan, I'd be worried that they were going to be another team that's going to move above Arsenal um, moving forward. I really like what they've done with their recruitment this summer. And I'll be interested to see how Dean Smith does with this because the reality is the pressure's on him now. Like, you know, uh, a team coming up with one player who's really, really good and leads the team, I don't think the pressure's on the manager as much. But when... He has got those signings that he's advised the board to get that have cost a lot of money. This is now his team that he's built to replicate what Jack Grealish brought to that team. So it's all on him now. So hopefully, because I like seeing English coaches do well, um, hopefully he matches up to what people are expecting of them. And if they do, Aston Villa are going to be a really, really fun side to watch this season. I completely agree with all that. So before we go on to our more, I guess, formal predictions, I'll ask you both to choose a team that we've not mentioned yet, or maybe we have mentioned them and you want to go in a bit more depth. Who do you think will be a standout team to look out for this season? We'll start with you, James. The, the team I'm picking, because it can either go horrifically wrong or it's going to go really well, is Crystal Palace. Um, I think, yeah, I think with Patrick Vieira, in the, um, I think they're going to play more exciting football. I think if you ask any Crystal Palace fan, the years they've had Roy Hodgson, there, they've been dying out for a manager who is going to take more of a risk, isn't just going to put everyone behind the ball, give it to Wilfred Zaha and see what he can do. Um, they're another team that I think who have recruited really well. I mean, they brought Elise from Reading, um, who is someone who likes to dribble the ball, someone who isn't going to be scared of making the step up a bit like Eze did last year. I know he's going to miss the first couple of months through injury, but you know, you've got two exciting young players who are going to want the ball at their feet and are willing to take men on. And I think also to bring in Anderson from Leon, who was there at Fulham last season, I think that's a really good signing. Um, I think if there's one thing with Crystal Palace is they've, they've just had the same stagnant back line that they've always had, the same old... James Tompkins, Scott Dan, um, Mamadou Sacco. It, it gets a bit stagnate, stagnant after a while, but I think with the fresh faces in. Um, and, I, and I just think if you've got those exciting players going forward and then you've got Wilfred Zaha, who can 
I mean, we all know what he can do if he's if he's allowed to play in an in an attacking team or you know he's allowed to go out and express himself the way that um, you know that he wants to. And like I said, with Patrick Vieira, different style of football. I, th- I think, like I said, it's either going to go horrifically wrong or it's going to go really well, which I think that's what makes them an interesting team. I'm actually going to go for. Crystal Palace's rivals, um, Brighton Hove Albion. I, I Brighton was. I've never seen a team as. I don't know if it's bad or unlucky or both in front of goal. <laughs> yeah. um, Brighton are such a well-coached outfit. Um, they've just received fifty million quid for Ben White, which is a mental transfer fee. Um, uh, they've signed Enochen Wepu. Um, apologies again for any poor pronunciation. Uh, who looks like a really, really decent addition. Uh, looks like Yves Basuma is going to stay um, at Brighton, barring any late moves. We haven't seen any big um, links with him for a while with any big clubs. Uh, if they bring in a striker, I think they are going to be a really, really good side. And they've got you know that well they've got 50 million quid burning um burning in their pockets at the moment um assuming that that all gets put back into the squad we're not sure but um yeah i think brighton are really well coached i think their squad looks solid bet losing ben white isn't a massive blow to their defense i think they've got uh you know the likes of um webster and dunk in there who can do a really good job for them as well so yeah brighton are my uh I don't know if it's dark. I, I don't know if it's dark horse, but yeah, I, I think Brighton will do well this season because they they can't be that bad in front of goal again. They just can't. And if they get a striker in, I reckon they'll be rivaling Aston Villa. Yeah, I've said it. That's a massive prediction, but I think I should have gone first because I had two teams written down, and they were both Crystal Palace and Brighton and Hove Albion. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you both really said everything that that I would have said. Um, but I'll, I'll also mention because just because I think it's what they should be mentioned. I'll mention Leeds because we've not really spoke about them at all on the show, and I think we saw how fun they were really last season under BL. So they scored a lot of goals and they conceded a lot of goals. But if they can tighten up that back line a little bit they could kind of push on from that top half finish. And, you know, you never know, they could be pushing for a European place, probably more a Europa Conference League place, you'd imagine, rather than, rather than the Europa League. So maybe they wouldn't really want, want to be there. But yeah, I, I've, I think as long as they can kind of keep hold of their star men, which it looks like they will, the likes of Bamford, um, Rafina and, and Rodrigo, etc. Um, and maybe add, add one or two to it, they, they could have... Another good season under Bielsa, you you would think, as they try and probably consolidate their second year back in the Premier League. But let's move on to our actual, more formal predictions now. We've got a few different Premier League categories and, and we'll go through them now. And then in May, we'll see how well we did and see and laugh at ourselves or how inevitably poor, poor they were. So we'll start with Premier League winners. Um, I've gone for, for Manchester City for all the reasons we've already said. I think they've probably got the best squad that, you know, they can basically field two starting 11s, can't they? And both are, are exceptional. And if they do add Harry Kane to that, then as Max has already said, I think it's probably all over. Yeah, I'm going to not be biased here <laughs> um, and say Manchester City. Um, but if they don't sign Harry Kane, then I don't think it's going to be as 
you know, as a foregone conclusion, as we all think, I think if they don't get an, a natural striker, I think it, you know it opens the door for Liverpool and Chelsea. But yeah, if they, if they get Harry Kane, then you know you may as well just not watch the Premier League next season. I'm gonna go with Brighton. No, 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 um, <laughs> um, <laughs> no. Um, uh, Manchester City are uh, undoubtedly the favourites. Um, <laughs> I, th- I don't see any way that they don't win the title unless they have a horrendous season with injuries um, or Pep Guardiola decides that he's in desperate need to get away from Manchester's weather for a while. Um, yeah, I, I just don't see anyone uh, beating them realistically. And and if they get Harry Kane, then race for the top four, guys. Woo! <laughs> the Premier League becomes the Bundesliga, essentially. Um, yeah, basically. So top four in order if you will. Um, I've gone City, I've gone Liverpool second, Chelsea third and Man United fourth. Pretty boring, I suppose, but I just can't really see anyone penetrating those four teams this season. Yeah, I've gone for the exact same. I've gone City to win it, Liverpool second, Chelsea third and City fourth. Uh, City I was... Um, City sorry, fourth. United. United <laughs> fourth. They're so good. They can actually field two teams. Still have one team in the top four. In fairness, I, think, I the, think they would finish top four with their second. <laughs> Try to read the predictions off a phone and talk at the same time. Um, that's why I'm not the host like Luke. Um, so, yeah, um, I think if there's any team's got an outside chance, uh, I think it's probably only going to be Tottenham, but I can't see it. So, yeah, it's just going to be the basic top four. I, I'm going to be slightly pessimistic here. Um, and I'm going to say City first, Chelsea second, Liverpool third, Man United fourth. Yeah, fair. I mean, you say pessimistic, but that Chelsea Lukaku signing, I think it had, no one would really argue that that's changed Chelsea's kind of landscape this season. So I can see why why you'd go with that. So Europa League places, that's two teams. I've gone with Leicester fifth, and because we just we've spoke about them in the last few minutes, I think Aston Villa will do it and come sixth. I don't really have much faith in either of the North London clubs. I think Arsenal. They've not really signed anyone of note other than, than Ben White, who I think is a really good centre-half, but they need a lot more than that if they're to, to kind of better what they did last year. And Tottenham under Nuno, it, we're yet to see what happens with Kane, but I think they're going to be a team in transition this year and it might be a bit beyond them. Yeah, I, I agree with the two North London clubs. So I'm going to go with Villa and Leicester. Um, same as you, Luke. I think... Um, just the way that Villa have made the signings this summer um, and Arsenal, they just look woeful. That squad just looks dreadful. I mean, they, they've lost a player in Odegaard who I know I was, you know, it wasn't even brilliant for them when he came in alone, but at least it was an attacking midfielder. They haven't even got that. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I think they're going to struggle. And yeah, like you said, with Spurs, uh, you know, transition. And I don't think Nuno played the most exciting football at Wolves anyway. Um, and yeah, I can't really see the likes of Everton or anyone doing anything to sort of challenge that. So yeah, I'd go Leicester and Villa as well. Um, I'm going to disagree on one of the North London teams, at least. Um, I think Leicester will finish fifth and I think they will be very, very close to the top four again. But I just don't think they're a match for the um, top four sides that we've mentioned. I think Spurs will finish sixth. I think um, Nuno, if there is one thing that man knows how to do, it is organise a defence. Um, and he knows how to play on the counter-attack. If they keep Harry Kane, 
I just think the presence of Harry Kane and Son Heung Min under a manager that is not orchestrating some sort of social meltdown um, within his club, as Jose Mourinho seems to be doing, um, then I, I think they've just got the quality to finish six off the back of having a half-decent team and those two alone. Um, I think adding Christian Romero, um, who had a great season last season in Serie A, um, is a really big boost for them. If they lose Kane, then yeah, it gets very dicey. But um, yeah, I, I think that it will be Leicester in fifth and Spurs in sixth. Next up, we've got the relegated teams. Um, I've gone with Watford, Southampton. I think Southampton, with the players they've lost, they don't really look like they've got a goal scorer, which we've talked about is like incredibly important um, when it comes to surviving the Premier League. I'm not sure Shea Adams will make the step up. Adam Armstrong's a decent signing from Blackburn, but again, he's coming from the Championship and we don't know exactly how he will adapt. Um, and if they do you know, lose a Ward Price and a Best Guard as well, then I can't even see, as much as I rate Hassan Hootel, I can't really see them doing very well this year. And, th- and I've also come with Burnley, which might seem odd because Sean Dyche has obviously done a fantastic job over the years of, of keeping them in the Premier League. But I just feel like last season, they weren't not necessarily lucky, but there was three far worse teams. And with Norwich's experience and with Brentford's, you know, with Eve Tony and the stuff we talked about, the exciting way they play football, I think... Norwich and Brentford both will be okay. And I think Burnley are probably then the next worst team. Um, so that's what I've gone with. Watford, Southampton and Burnley. I've gone for Norwich to finish 20th. Um, I, I just think it's it's going to be the same hard luck story for them. They're going to play brilliant football, but it, it, they're just going to get undone. Um, and I, I don't trust Thomas Pukki at this level. I know he, he started off pretty bright when they were last in the Premier League, but I don't trust him to lead the line for them. And I think Sargent going from Fender Bremen to, to a you know, Premier League struggling side, I think that's a big step up for him. Um, and then in 19th, I'm going to go Southampton. I think, you know, everything that Luke's just said there, but also with Southampton is when they go on a bad run, they go on a bad run. It, it, it's not just four games and then they'll win one. You know, they can go seven, eight, nine games without picking up three points. I mean, they were lucky enough last season. They started off the way they did. That was mainly down to Danny Ings. Um, but then they went on an absolutely horrendous run after Christmas, which sort of did drag them down into a relegation battle. Um, and then the, the last one I had was between three teams. It was between Burnley, uh, Brighton and Newcastle. Um, but I think who could argue with Max for the case he made for Brighton? Um, so I'll take them out and I think it could be the, the time for Newcastle to go down. I think Callum Wilson is an injury-prone striker. You cannot guarantee to have him in your side for more than eight consecutive games. Um, Jolington just can't cut it at this level. And I know they're going to bring Joe Willick in, but apart from that, it, it, it's the same side that struggled last season. Um and I think what sort of helped Newcastle maybe last season was the fans not being in the stadium. You haven't got 50,000 fans, you know, booing every bad pass or every bad touch or singing Steve Bruce has got a big fat head. Um, whereas I think, you know, they're going to have that pressure on them next season, which I think could see them crumble. So 
yeah, I'm going to go for uh, Norwich, Southampton and Newcastle. That's your Norwich point. I wouldn't trust Thomas Pukki either. I don't know who he is. Timu Pukki. Timu Pukki, that's sure. it. <laughs> Thomas Pukki is not, he's not the man to get Norwich there. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, I think that it'll be Watford who... Yeah, I just don't think they've got the goals. If they, it's quite difficult to predict at this point because there's a lot of transfer window left to go. But um, yeah, yeah. yeah, I'm going to say Watford going down. Um, I think Southampton will go down. I just think that club's a bit of a mess right now. Um, Adam Armstrong, decent player. If he can replicate even close to the form that he um, that he had in the Championship and the Premier League, they might be okay. But losing Danny Ings for Adam Armstrong, that's a big drop. Um, yeah. And if they lose Vestergaard as well, which I think they will, then that's their best defender and their best striker gone. Um, and then James Ward, James Ward Prowse, I think, will stay. Um, if they lose him, they're in 20th, as far as I'm concerned. And they've lost Ryan Bertrand as well, who who is like not spectacular, but he's an experienced left back yeah. who's you know done it all before in the Premier League. So. Losing those players would be a, a huge blow. Um, and then finally, I, uh, I'm going to say Norwich. I, I think they might stay up, but they are the most likely to be that third team, I think. Um, just purely head over heart. I hope they stay up. I like Norwich. They're a, a likeable club, but I, I just don't think that they'll... Um, I don't know if Josh Sargent is it for goals um, and Timu Puki um, and Thomas Puki, both of them um, are not um, are not who I'd rely on either and goals are what you need when you come up from the championship Burnley I feel like I say that Burnley are going to go down every um, every season and then Sean Dyche just like you know comes in and does his um, does his gravelly voice thing and keeps them up. And I, I think he'll just about do it this season. But I think that they're, they're sort of slowly edging closer and closer and closer to yeah. the drop. Um, so I don't think this will be the season, but it could be next um, because you can't spend the lack of money that Burnley do and hope to stay up forever because that, that strategy is proven just not to work. At some point you need to go through and, Newcastle, I agree. Um, they did struggle a bit, but there was a massive upturn um, last season. Um, and Alonso Maximan, I think, is just a fantastic player. And I think he will um, he will really help keep them up. And if Callum Wilson can stay fit for even half of the season, he will score the goals that are required, I think, to keep them up. And if Joe Willock comes in, Joe Willock is a, a source of goals from midfield as well. Which um, which will be a massive help for them. Uh, so yeah, we'll just have to see what happens. But my three is Watford, Southampton, and sorry Norwich um, for the bottom three. That's it for this week. Um, so James Max, thanks for your time as always. Thank you for having us. Always a pleasure, mate. For more information or to hear more from us, you can visit our website AnfieldCentral.co.uk or visit us on Twitter at. Anfield underscore central. Until next time, goodbye.